Chapter 33 of The Girls of St. Wode's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Girls of St. Wode's by L. T. Mead. Chapter 33 Confession. Yes, Annie Colchester had made up her mind. There was only one thing to be done. She must see Mr. Parker without a moment's delay, make full confession, and fling herself upon his mercy. Even prison would be better than this present agony, thought the poor girl. Whatever happens, I cannot face the Atchisons again without their knowing the truth. With the first dawn, she rose and dressed, and then wrote a little note to Mrs. Atchison. You will think badly of me, and no wonder, wrote Annie. The man who tried to steal the wooden box last night was my brother, Rupert. Yes, he was my brother. He cut the square of glass out of the window and entered your house as a common burglar. Pray, don't do anything until you hear from me again. I am going to Mr. Parker. Belle found this note, read its contents, flushed slowly over it, rubbed her forehead in a distracted way, and then, hiding the note in the pocket of her dressing gown, returned to her own room. Poor Annie has gone out of her mind, she said to herself. Mr. Colchester, that charming, scholarly, delightful man, enter the house in order to take my box of money? Impossible. I should not believe it if a thousand Annie Colchesters swore to it. This note is my property, and I refuse to divulge its contents for the present. Meanwhile, Annie wandered about the streets until it was time for Mr. Parker to appear at his office. He had been called unexpectedly out of town on the previous day, or events would have come to an issue before now. On his arrival this morning, he looked eagerly through his correspondence, and had just taken up the letter from the expert, and was reading its contents when his clerk entered said that Miss Colchester had called, that she looked in serious trouble, and wished to see Mr. Parker without delay. "'Ask Miss Colchester into my waiting-room, and say I will send for her presently,' was the reply. The clerk withdrew. Mr. Parker continued to read the expert's letter. "'I thought so,' he said to himself. "'He says the writings are not identical, that they have not been written by the same person.' "'Miss Annie little knows what a trap she has got into. "'She is just here in the nick of time.' Yes, I will see her. I will get the whole naked truth out of her. Guilty? Of course she is guilty. After she has made her confession, she shall come with me to the Gilroys. What an old blind fool I have been. How could I ever doubt a girl with a face like Leslie's? He stood up as he spoke. The expert's letter had pleased him, but he could not but own that he felt nearly as puzzled as ever. Bless me if I know what it means even now, he said anxiously to himself. The puzzled man was standing on his hearth. His hair was wildly rubbed over his head, and his eyes looked fiercer than Annie had ever seen them when she entered the room. Well, Miss Colchester, he said, may I ask what is the meaning of this visit? It so happens that I am anxious to see you, and should have called upon you if you had not come to me. But as a rule, I do not see people on private business in my office. I have come to speak to you about Leslie Gilroy, said Annie. You are fond of Leslie. It does not matter to you whether I care for her or not. What have you got to say about her? Only that she is quite innocent, said Annie. She never wrote that letter. Mr. Parker's face wore an ugly sneer. I wonder now, he said, coming a step or two forward, if you have been following me about on the sly for the last day or two. Do you happen to know that I had taken that letter and also the writing Leslie Gilroy left here the other day to Essex the expert? You are sharp enough to know most things. Did you find out about that? I don't know what you mean, 
my meaning is plain enough it is better to make confession before open detection is it not i don't know anything continued annie i have never heard of mr essex before i am the most wretched miserable girl in the world i came to you to confess not knowing that you were able to expose me it does not matter now in the very least whether you expose me or not for i am going to expose myself i did write the letter i knew at the time that it was forgery but i was desperate rupert wanted sixty pounds he said that if he did not get the money he would be locked up the police were already after him he owed the money for a debt of such a nature that if he did not pay it he would be locked up well all this is coming to the point with a vengeance said mr parker annie clutched hold of the nearest chair to steady herself i am miserable and i know that i deserve imprisonment or anything you like to give me she said we will leave out the question about your deservings for the present said the merchant what i want is the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth well i did it said annie i did commit forgery i was nearly mad i have always loved rupert better than i thought he was my only brother and i-i could never turn from him it was idolatry and i am punished go on with your story said mr parker i am doing so only you must give me time rupert wanted the money and i was distracted leslie and i were room fellows she was always good to me a nice return you have made for her kindness i know that well but you cannot understand the temptation there i don't mean to excuse myself on the very evening when i saw rupert and found out all about his trouble leslie talked about you i was so startled to find that she also knew you she told me what you were doing for her how liberal you were with your money how very kind she said that her father had been your greatest friend and that you had made a sort of promise to help his children as she spoke a desperate idea came into my head i was always very clever at imitating handwriting and there was plenty of leslie's about the idea of making her appear to write to you for money came into my brain and would not go away again i thought of it all night and the scheme seemed almost impossible to be detected and was my last and only resource i rose very early got hold of some of leslie's handwriting copied it carefully wrote the letter which i brought to you got permission to go to london from miss lauderdale and saw you that afternoon you gave me the money i took it back i gave it to rupert but even now i do not understand said mr parker i came down to wingfield the next day i was very much disturbed i can tell you that letter which seemed to be leslie's shook my faith i always considered her the finest sweetest girl i had ever come across like very like one whom i have lost but no matter you are unworthy to hear that name i came to wingfield and i saw leslie and she knew all about it she did not deny anything that is because she was noble i was obliged to tell her the truth and she resolved to screen me and take the consequences pon my word i never heard anything like this in the whole course of my life said mr parker noble i should think she was but what were you made of you allowed her think what she suffered i distrusted her and you allowed her to screen you i did for rupert's sake i know i was bad but i was not wholly bad she knew that if it were discovered i should be expelled from st wode's and my chance in life would be over so she agreed to screen me i didn't guess at the time how much she would suffer and what it would mean to her leslie saw rupert and told him that if he would leave the country and never return she would keep his secret and mine rupert promised to go away he went and i thought i should never see him again then i lost my interest in my work i found i could not study and when i passed my exam i only took an ordinary and my prospects were more or less ruined i was terribly poor for the little money that i had saved i had already given to my brother 
when my own money was nearly gone i went to leslie that was a few days ago i heard that you wanted a secretary and i begged and implored of her to ask you to give me the post leslie did not like asking you she said you were terribly changed to her but at last she consented she came here with me you told her that if she told the real truth about the money you would give me the post how could she tell you the truth without ruining me we both knew it was all up then although she implored me at the eleventh hour to make confession but i could not how could i without ruining rupert your conscience has become very tender since then said mr parker how is it you are here this morning i will tell you because rupert himself has opened my eyes oh i love him still yes i love him still but my heart is broken i don't care what happens to me friends of mine of the name of atchison asked me to stay with them for a week i had only fourteen shillings in the world and i thought i would go mrs atchison was very kind she was like a mother to me but on the very day i went on the day i saw you last i met my brother he had never gone away he had broken his word to leslie he had got into fresh awful trouble he wanted more and more money and oh mr parker last night he broke into the very house where i was staying in order to steal some money which was in the drawing-room what am i to do oh if i might only die the miserable girl fell on her knees burying her face in a chair near by her faint sobs sounded through the room mr parker stood still for a moment the colour in his face was coming and going what was he to do he hated annie colchester and yet from the bottom of his soul he pitied her before he could decide anything there came a knock at the door particularly engaged just now he called out it's miss gilroy sir she wants to see you as soon as possible miss gilroy bless my soul what can she have come about oh do let her in i know she will plead for me she will ask you not to be too bitterly hard said poor annie mr parker opened the door come right in leslie he said his manner had changed there was a tremble in his deep voice leslie came eagerly forward i have come to ask you if you know anything about annie colchester she began we are in dreadful trouble about her she has disappeared and why what is it you seem to know something what is wrong only that i have learned the truth at last leslie annie colchester is here she has confessed everything stand up annie and speak this moment but annie was past this her head was buried in her hands and sobs shook her frame leslie gave one glance from mr parker to annie and then sprang forward she fell on her knees by annie's side and put her arms round her oh poor poor annie have you really confessed said leslie it was brave of you dear it was brave she put her arms round annie's neck and began to kiss her oh you don't know how she has been tried and tempted she continued turning to the merchant you cannot be angry with her any longer even the worst sinner ought to be forgiven when he confesses and annie is sorry so sorry leslie's kisses fell on annie's hot cheeks like rain after a time annie slightly moved her position and stole one arm softly round leslie's neck mr parker looked at the two bless my soul this will upset me he muttered to himself never met a girl like leslie it makes one believe in christianity that it does he suddenly left the room an hour later he came back annie was now quite collected and calm she had told leslie everything leslie went straight up to mr parker and took his hand you have got to do something for me she said i'll do anything for you leslie i feel fit to die when i think how i mistrusted you you had good reason to mistrust me and i am not the least surprised you need not reproach yourself in the very least now if you will do something if you will grant me a great great favour i shall be the happiest of girls i shall gladly rejoice in the thought of my past suffering if it can help annie now you want a favour for her i do 
and I know you will grant it. It would be difficult for me to refuse you anything, but what is it? I want you to do this. I don't wish Rupert Colchester, bad as he is, to be locked up. I want him to leave the country. I want you to see that he goes. He must be seen off, for Annie is not to be persecuted by him any longer. When he is away, I want Annie to become your secretary. I will be responsible for her conduct, for her probity and honesty. She shall come and live at my mother's, and she shall work for you. Annie must be saved. Oh, I love her, Mr. Parker, I love her. Notwithstanding her sin, she was terribly tempted. You and I do not know anything of such temptation, but now we will save her, won't we? Will you do this for my sake? I declare I'd do anything in the world for you, but it's rather a big order. I shan't mind helping the poor girl. But the brother, is he to go off scot-free? For Annie's sake, yes. It would hurt her too terribly if he were punished. Give him one last chance, Mr. Parker. He may be saved even at the eleventh hour. Oh, you are the best man I know. Prove it now. And this would make you quite happy, my dear. It would make me so happy I should scarcely know how to contain myself. Oh, say yes, here and now. Then here is my hand on it. I say it here and now. Mr. Parker was as good as his word. He was not a man to do things by half measures, and he did not lose an hour in taking means to discover Rupert Colchester's whereabouts. He found that young man hiding from the police, gave him such a talking to that even he felt a little ashamed, and finally securing a berth for him on board a vessel which was bound for Australia, saw him off himself on the following day. The curtain drops forever on Rupert as far as this story is concerned. Annie is happy at last, notwithstanding her great trials. She is very busy and has little time to think. She makes an excellent secretary, is painstaking, persevering, clever and affectionate. Mr. Parker does not like to own it, but he is really getting very fond of her and asks her advice on several matters in the most unwarrantable and unbusinesslike manner. Annie lives with Mrs. Gilroy, who is as kind as kind can be to the motherless girl. As to the other girls, whose opening lives have been so briefly sketched in these pages, they are some of them still undergraduates at St. Wode's, and some are starting in the real battle of life, but they are all, without exception, doing well. Letty has given up her collegiate training, has entered society, making Mrs. Chetwind very happy by doing so, and is much liked for her cheerful and taking manners and her pretty face. Eileen has quite recovered her health and strength. She and Marjorie are still at St. Wode's, and Marjorie never forgets that time when God answered her prayer and spared Eileen's life. Leslie is more beautiful and more beloved than ever by all those who know her. Mr. Parker openly talks of her as his adopted daughter, and her love for the old man is the sunshine of his declining years. Belle hopes to open her hostel within a year at the latest. There is a change for the better in Belle, and she is less arrogant than formerly, although she still firmly believes that the true aim of a woman's life is to delve in the rich soil of past literature and not to trouble herself much about the future. One and all, in their different ways, are going forward to a goal. Each has an ideal, which will never be quite realised on earth, but each, with strength and courage, has learned to take her part bravely in life's battle. To each has been accorded a strength higher than her own, which enables her to refuse the evil and choose the good. End of chapter 33 End of the Girls of St. Wode's by L. T. Mead